You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello, and welcome to episode 312 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And tonight we are continuing with our Thanksgiving series, where we uh, shine a light on America's dad, and also quasi-80s playboy? Question mark? Yeah. And yeah, dude, Tom Hanks is hot in the 80s. To hell with Leonardo DiCaprio, Hanks is going to steal your wife. Yeah. And honestly, like, he's Mr. Steal Your Girl, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm totally cool with that. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, totally fine. It, it's um, all about the uh, his, his eyes and the smile. You know, he's, he's just so charming. And we're... He, he, he's going to listen to your bad day. You talk about your bad day. You know, Absolutely. And then, and then make you go go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, yeah. You know what I was thinking about after we did our last episode, guys? Tom Hanks. I don't think that we... Oh, well, obviously, Tom Hanks. But <laughs> I don't think that we ever really clarified kind of the parameters that we set for ourselves with this series, where we kind of wanted to highlight undervalued Tom Hanks yeah. movies and performances. I don't know if we ever mentioned that in the last episode. <laughs> we yeah, did. It would be so easy to just cover hell his oscar nominated roles and that would be a right or his you know his big comedy roles that he's known for that that weren't nominated but yeah his his career is just so vast that you can pick out the ones that no one ever talks about pretty easily well and i was thinking about not necessarily like that specifically but along those lines um especially in terms of tonight's movie which is punchline and we'll you know get into some of that in just a minute um like Tom Hanks is such a, a fascinating actor because again, like he's America's dad. He's just, just like the sweetest. And like I said, in the last episode, every movie that I've seen him in, like it just brings a smile to my face. Like he's just so just kind and pleasant. And we talked about this during the burbs where like he has great comedic chops. And even though you can think of a lot of comedies that Tom Hanks is in, I, I don't know how many people necessarily think of Tom Hanks as funny not it's not saying that he's not funny but when you think of tom hanks like a comedian isn't one of the first things that you think of and also even though he's done a lot of very dramatic roles he also like you don't necessarily think of tom hanks as like like a leading drama actor you know he's very again just kind of pleasant yes uh, uh robert woods is posting in the chat even in road to perdition he's still charming and still just like oh sure i'll i'll go on this you know noir chase with you sure why not you can keep me from dying this this will be fun so like just everything that he's in he does incredibly well but it's so weird because whenever i think of him i think of things <laughs> like you've got mail and sleepless in seattle and big yeah. and and the movies where he he's funny and he has a range of emotion and he's not always necessarily the nicest but he's always just 
pleasant. And that's such a weird the, thing because of, again, how good his range is in the types of movies that he can yeah. and has done. He's a steady hand. And I'm I'm totally ripping this off of another podcast, so I'm going to give credit for it. But um, I've been listening to the uh, Blank Check podcast a lot, and they did, they've done a few different Tom Hanks movies. And the, their kind of thesis statement on Tom Hanks is the reason why we love him so much is because he is... The he is very good at playing guys who are really good at their jobs, mm-hmm. essentially. Like he is always like in a role where he's playing somebody who's just like super efficient at what it is that they have to do, and he always has a sure hand. And there's always just this kind of confidence behind everything mm-hmm. that he does in all of his movies. So like yeah. there is kind of this. He's like a safety net, which is why I feel like he's perfect for this kind of series of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with. You know, we're going into the Thanksgiving holiday and we're thinking about like comfort movies and, you know, it's getting cooler outside. We think about being bundled up. And in my mind, it's like Tom Hanks movies are perfect for this time of year because he is like he's the guy that like you just want to wrap yourself in a blanket and just kind of lean into his lean into his arms a little bit and just Mm -hmm. have him, you know, have him console you and hold you. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned, too, that he's usually a guy who's very good at his job and is the steady hand. Um, My favorite film of his that we're not talking about, but it's going to be very relevant in two days because Veterans Day is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. He does not come across as a war hero type of movie star at all. He's not He's not a grizzled combat vet type of guy. But the way he conducts himself through that entire movie, and it's funny that you say steady hand because the whole thing of him is the, the shaky hand the shit, yeah. in that man, in that movie. But even <laughs> with the shaky hand. Literally does not have a steady hand. Yeah. Steady hand Everyone movie. still looks to him. What, what do we do now? What's going on? Yeah. How do we survive this? And he's always, even, even, even at the bridge, when the scene, when you're like, they're going to lose, everyone's going to die. He's still giving the right answer that you need to hear at that moment. Yeah, he's so good in that role too because it's it's so antithetical to what you expect from that type of role. Like he's not like the kind of hard ass drill sergeant. I got to keep my men in line kind of guy. He's just like, he, you know, he he is the guy who has to like be confident in everything that he does. But you can also see mm-hmm. that he's just he has that same kind of charisma and softness that mm-hmm. you like kind of vulnerability that he brings to all of his roles. It's it's it's, a, it's one of his more like understated performances but it's also still i think one of his best he yeah. he brings a lot of believability to his characters and, yeah. and and that's one of the things that we are very much going to be getting into uh very soon once we you know actually start the review of punchline proper but like he he is so believable in his roles even when it's hard to accept that and uh and again we'll, we'll get into this shortly but in punchline he's kind of an asshole and by kind of, I mean, his character is an asshole. Yeah. And like, I, like, really I, I believe it. I buy it because the entire... do that often. Right. But like, that's the thing is he plays the character and he plays it very convincingly. And I would, we'll, we'll get into the details in, uh, in just a minute. Um, but yes, we are continuing our Thanksgiving theme because... Much like Eric said, you know, kind of heading into uh, the Thanksgiving holidays and things getting colder and just kind of wanting to bundle up. Uh, most of Tom Hanks movies are just the bundle up movies. All right. Uh, before we start diving into tonight's movie, I need to mention this because I have forgotten for the last two episodes during the Knoxville Horror Film Festival. One of the shorts that I saw 
that we did not talk about because I forgot to uh, put it down in my notes and because I could not find it on Letterboxd. And so it just completely slipped my mind when we were talking about it. Uh, Anthony Cousins, new short. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. All right. So first off, love Anthony Cousins. Love Anthony Cousins. Love his movies. He has such a wide variety of of films that he has worked on. Just in terms of like, he has a very distinct style, but also just very varied. Uh, So he did the Bloody Ballad of Squirt Reynolds, which is like a a riff on like the '80s slasher uh, camp movies, (laughs) with with one of like the greatest death gags ever. Oh man, so, so many great things about uh, Squirt Reynolds. <laughs> I love love that. I I want a full yeah, feature of too. Squirt Reynolds. It's it's amazing. Uh, he also did When Susurra Stirs, which is one of the best um, body horror movies that I've seen. It's just so captivating and disgusting, and like everything that a body horror should be, this movie is to the most disgusting level in a way that actually draws you in. And also repulses you, and and it is fascinating, and I recommend it to so many people. Unless you do not like body horror, in which case you will absolutely hate it because it is disgusting. It it is, mm. yeah, gross things yeah. happen, <laughs> but like beautifully gross. Uh, and then he also did a segment in um, Scare Package. Uh, he did the, I think it was the other like camp movie one, uh, wasn't it, Eric? The the one where like it was the it was the night he came back again, part four, the final kill, <laughs> which is the one where they like like keep trying to kill the guy over and over again. He's basically like invulnerable, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and uh, like he he ended up being the one girl's brother or something. Uh, so yeah, like he's he's got a variety. Absolutely love his stuff. And his most recent short is based off of a graphic novel, I think. Um, but it's every time we meet for ice cream, your whole fucking face explodes. And <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Like, it is a seven minute short. It's so sweet and so just heartwarming about like a middle school kid, I think, uh, who's, you know, like kind of a, a not necessarily a dweeb, but just kind of like the the outcast, like the one that uh, you know people don't necessarily want to be friends with. He's like, and relating it to Tom Hanks, he's like in Forrest Gump when he's walking down the bus and everyone's like, "Can't sit here, can't sit here." He's like, he's like that Tom Hanks, uh, not Tom Hanks, but like that Forrest Gump uh, piece, or like walking down the bus mm. and no one lets him sit next to him. And then there's this girl, and you know he he likes her and he thinks that she's cute, but like she's got scars all over her face and. Uh, you know, they they talk and, and it's sweet and I don't want to ruin it except for the fact that, you know, the name of the movie tells you everything that you need to know. <laughs> and and I love it. And if you ever have a chance to see it, watch it because it's, it's great. I love it. I mean, with a title like that, how could you how could you not? I right? mean, I'm just just bravo. I, just, I love it so much. <laughs> it's so it's so amazing. Just bravo. Indeed. All right, so moving on to Punchline. That's what we're talking about. Moving on to Punchline. Uh, the quick summary uh, before we start in getting into spoilers is this was one of Siskel and Ebert's worst movies of 1988, and I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> it is a perfectly fine movie starring Tom Hanks and Sally Fields, and uh, it, it's about stand-up comedians who might or might not be funny and might or might not be coping with, you know, their life that sucks or not 
that's exactly what it's about. It, it's about, you know, people using comedy yeah, to cope with their life that they don't necessarily love. And uh, it's it, it's good. It's fine. We're, we're going to talk about it. And I think we're going to get into this, but I think that I what like if we it. didn't talk about it. Like, what if we just <laughs> what if we build up? Like, we're going to talk about punchlines like psych. We're not talking about punchlines. It's like that's the episode. Just like, all right, podcast <laughs> over. Good night, everybody. Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I think based off of what both of you have said, Dan and Eric, and we've not actually talked about this, but I think that I like this movie more than both of you. Oh, okay. I'm not so sure. I don't know. Dan seems to really like it. I like it too. I, I okay. Here might be a better way. I think that it might be a better movie, but I think that it might be a better movie than what both of you have said. And again, that's just based off I, of some of the things that that we've uh, mentioned in the chat. But mm-hmm. my initial viewing, I've sat with it for another day or two, and some of the things I had problems with, I think I'm working myself out of having problems with that. Okay interesting we'll see. we'll see how it goes yeah <laughs> i'll say this i don't think the movie completely holds together very well and that it doesn't entirely work but it is a movie that i haven't stopped thinking about there's a lot of really interesting ideas in this movie and good performances and and, and i don't know it's just it's a really it's a really interesting film overall and i'm so excited to talk about it just because i want to dive into it but um I, I was left feeling a little bit unsatisfied with the way it kind of ties everything together. I in the movie that that is your opinion. And I think that's, it's, that's I don't fine. think the editing does it any favors, and I think that it has a poor ending. And I think tonally, it's kind of all over the place <laughs> in a way that doesn't work. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some details, but it's very entertaining. Like it's not. I, I wasn't like I was sitting there like fuming the whole movie. It was like there are a lot of really almost all of the scenes are good. They just don't like build on each other in, in a meaningful way so here here's my super quick uh kind of review of it before we start diving into these details uh yes it has problems with the editing yes it has problems with some of the music which give it some issues with the tone uh working overall however i do think that the tone it, it, if you disregard some of the music, I think that the tone actually holds together much more consistently across the movie than uh, than Eric, what you've mentioned, to the point where I almost cried a couple of times in this movie where I did not necessarily expect to. And uh, yeah, we'll, wow. we'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is a very emotionally evocative movie that is almost there. And if it had just been tweaked a little bit or if it had been under a slightly different director, if the Coen brothers had had this film and like barely changed anything, I feel like the few changes that they could have made would have made this just like an, Oh my God, this movie is amazing kind of movie. Like it's, it's so yeah. almost it's there. so close, right? It's just yeah. missing a little bit tonally that at some points kind of kicks me out of it. All right, here is the spoiler wall. So from here on out, we are going to potentially be getting into some spoilers. So let's start with Dan. This was your pick for for Thanksgiving. Yep. What, why Why did you want to put this on our table of delicious Hanks? Because of Richard Pryor. <laughs> oh, okay. Not in the movie at all. But Richard Pryor was... A, was like the 80s comedian he was one of the first like 
comedian actors I recognized as a young child. Um, and then one night when I was up way later than I should have been, I caught uh, the showing of, I think it was Live on the Sunset Strip, which was his stand-up special. And there is a routine of his called The Junkie, which mm. it blew my mind when he did it because it stopped being an act at yeah. one point and you're not really sure at which point it stopped being an act and just turned into like this heartbreaking confession on stage and it was just for some uh, for someone who was probably 10 when i watched it um it was something i had never ever seen before it was just this grown man who had been telling you know dick and sex jokes for an hour all the start and start being incredibly honest about his drug habit and how it almost killed him and how his growing up in a whorehouse changed who he was fundamentally. And it, it, it was staggering to me. So at that point I became absolutely obsessed with stand-up comic specials. Every time HBO had one on, I had to watch it. Um, the young comedian specials they had, the one night stands, Rodney Dangerfield used to have like this little special every once in a while where he'd pull out like five minutes. First time I ever saw like, Seinfeld and Tim Allen, who oddly enough, when I first saw both of them, thought they sucked. Couldn't stand either of them. <laughs> uh, and then they go on to become two of the most, you know, successful TV stars of all time. Um, and Tim Allen, I still think sucks. But um, <laughs> it led me to like Bill Hicks, Sam Kinison, just these other guys that basically cut their wrist open on stage and made jokes about the parts of life people didn't talk about. Mm. So when I hear that like Tom Hanks is making a movie where he's going to be a stand-up comic, I had to watch it. And at that, at that, I remember, the first time I watched it, I remember being very disappointed in the film because it's not fully Tom Hanks's movie. We got caught up in the story of Sally Field, who when you're like, I would have been 13 or 14 at the time I saw this, I didn't care about Sally Field's story. You were... I'm like, I oh, I thought you were saying movies. Sally Field in general. Like, oh, you're not a Places in the Heart fan? <laughs> well, well, you know, if I want to go watch a movie about a dissatisfied house, housewife, there are a million of those. Um, but there wasn't a movie about a stand-up comic showing the grind of what it's like to actually be a stand-up comic. Mm. I wanted more of that. So I remember being very disappointed with this film when I first came to it. I am now a little easier on that part but i knew i hadn't watched this since i was a teenager hence why i wanted to revisit it now now that i've you know lived more than you know 13 years so i figured i would have a different viewpoint of it at this point in my life than i did back then and did did you (laughs) yes (laughs) good um i still couldn't understand why tom hanks would want to sleep with sally field even then that 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 kind of bugs me, although, and that's one of the things I've been trying to work out in my head because I don't. Y'all apparently have actual... never seen Smokey and the Bandit. No, she's. I, I wasn't she's, even thinking about Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, no, she's smoking hot and Smokey and the Bandit. I'll give you that. Yeah, huh? And she she's the kind of person that because of movies like Smokey and the Bandit, with like just being so quirky and so kind of like a proto manic pixie dream girl, but without some of the just bullshit that comes with that as she gets a little bit older she kept some of that feistiness so like even in punchline i still 
I couldn't separate her from smoking the bandit. I couldn't separate, you know, kind of the, you know, sad sack housewife that she was in punchline from, you know, <clears throat> feisty smoking the bandit. And I was like, ah, you know, I, 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 I can see it. I can separate it, and that separation is called the perm. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that, that's one of the tonal things that bugs the show. Oh, it feels no, like out of, Tim, it comes out of a totally different kind of sappy, cheesy nope. as hell. I movie. so disagree. It also feels like a studio note to make you like make the, like be like, oh, by the way, uh, John Goodman's not that bad of a guy. Look how supportive he is. Uh, no, like, no, I he's disagree. A Dickhead. I disagree. <laughs> you can't pull the dude. wool over our eyes with a bad can't, perm. You can't pull the perm <laughs> over our eyes with that. I disagree. We will get there soon. Hold on. So, uh, here's my prior information with Punchline. Never heard of it. Knew nothing about it up until Dan was like, "This is going to be my movie." I was like, "All right, cool. I should find it and and watch it." But uh, I, I really went into this movie almost blind. Like I, I just didn't know what to expect and it was easy to meet my expectations when i don't know what to expect <laughs> the the only thing that threw me a little bit and we'll get a little bit more into this in a second i didn't expect tom hanks to be an asshole and so like even when he's being an ass but he's still charming it's like oh you see like he no he's charming like he's just putting on like that asshole persona as like a defense mechanism he's he's really a good guy and I just kept telling myself that because of, you know, three decades worth of He's a good guy. He talked movies. to that one sick kid that one time. What a sweet <laughs> guy. Look. There's so many times in this movie where it's like they it feels like the movie is afraid to like to alienate the audience by making their characters too mean so they have to drop in like random scenes of them being nice to people. Ah, dude, I disagree. In, like, where I where they're being observed being nice by I don't just really bizarre. In general uh, what what hospitals bring in stand up comics to like entertain so, people during the day? <laughs> it was, was ages. Such an interesting part. Like, shit, we need one more scene where Hanks can do some stand up. Uh, and then they made a spinoff movie called Patch <laughs> Adams, right? Was it? Uh, anywho, I don't think that it was uh, the movie like not wanting to let the characters be complete assholes. I think that it was trying to give some complexity and depth. It might not have been the most effective. But A very shallow kind of way. Yes. I, I, I don't. I'm being really harsh, mostly. Because, you are being really harsh. I don't you like think. This movie. I don't think that. It's I do kind of. I like this. Movie. It's not. I don't bad. think that it's that I, bad. I it's at, it's good. It's. I, I have an issue. I like it. That we'll get to in a second. But overall, I think it's good. It's way better than what you're giving it credit for. Cisco. Yeah, see, they didn't. They didn't hey. need to put in that scene at the hospital to give Hanks depth because they already had a scene that did that with when he had to do stand up in front of his dad. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Eric, what's kind of, your prior information? Prior information. Me? <sighs> yes. You we'll, we'll oh, come back uh, to that. Don't yeah. worry. That, that relates to things. This is the, <laughs> this is the Tom Hanks movie that like, I like you see it every night. Like I'll see it on his IMDb page or something. I'm like, Oh punchline, huh? There's a movie where Tom Hanks and Sally field play stand up comedians. Interesting. File it away. And then completely forget that this movie ever exists until it, it until you see the poster for it again. It's like, Oh cool. I might want to watch that one day. Completely forget it exists. So like I was actually like, I wasn't really sure what to expect from this movie. I didn't really look into it much. The only thing I knew was that it was kind of, I expected it to be kind of like a, kind of like Judd Apatow's funny people to a certain extent where it's, you know, a dramatic comedy about comedians. 
Falcons. Um, so yeah, I, I went into it just kind of hoping that it would be enjoyable. I was a little concerned because it's like over two hours. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be a bit more comedic than it is. It, it's it's so weird because I think the movie really is trying to be a comedy at times, but it's just not funny. <laughs> like it's not successful at being a comedy when it tries to be a comedy, but it is successful at being a drama when it's trying to be a drama. And so again, that's kind of like the whole movie just feels like it's all of these good like good ideas kind of bouncing around, but like none of it ever kind of emerges fully formed. Other than I think Tom Hanks's performance, he's the only one who kind of really gets into the material and and sells it um, perfectly. So I think that uh, that is a perfect transition of punchline is not a comedy full stop. This is not a comedy. It is a drama about comedy. I think and, it tries to be funny though. But like there are and, multiple and scenes in this movie where it's really trying to be funny. I'm not talking about the stand-up sets. Like those are the scenes where the, it doesn't the, the dinner the dinner scene. The dinner where, scene. Yeah. The dinner it's another one of those like inexplicable moments in the movie where it's like in isolation, it's a good scene. It's funny, but it feels totally out of left mm-hmm. field. Saber dance is the is the song that they play. It's like really high energy, wacky, goofy. Sally Field's got to hurry up and get dinner ready for her husband before he gets home. It's like a straight out of a fucking like Home Alone style family yeah. comedy in this dropped fish. in the middle of this R-rated drama. <laughs> it's bizarre. So so here's the thing Man, about that. thoroughly disgusting because what is she going to serve with boiling fish tank Yeah, water? she has boiling fish tank water. Which She's going to make people very, very ill. I think she was Absolutely, just like, yeah. I think she was just <laughs> so, trying to put on some uh, tea water. So here, here's the thing about that. Punchline is a drama. Period. Yeah. The, the reason that some of the scenes don't feel like they work is Eric exactly like you said. They're trying to be funny. But yeah. I don't necessarily blame that on the content of the scene. It's it's like we said, it's a little bit of the editing and a lot of the music choice. You know, like, yeah, the, the music during that uh, dinner prep scene, if it had been anything else, it would have been fine. Like, I don't feel like that scene is out of place. You know, because it, the you have some of the setup of earlier that day when John Goodman is like, I thought you were going to make dinner. And like they have that whole argument and that's giving you some of the context of why Sally yeah. Field is in this position of what am I supposed to do? And and this is one of the uh, bigger points that we're working up towards of with Sally Field, like her arc is she loves being a mother. She loves being a wife. But mm. who is she outside of that? And like that is her arc of trying to trying to find who she is. And that's why I think that this movie is kind of tragic. And uh, again, that why that's one of our ending points, so that we can do all the stuff leading up to it. But that confrontation that she has with John Goodman earlier, and you know, being the supportive wife, being the. Uh, um, being the the mother who is there for her kids, like actually doing all of these things, then she just kind of fucks off to go watch Tom Hanks do stand up at a hospital. Like, yeah, it, there, there's such a um, there, there's just that moment in her life of like, oh my god, what have I done? And so now she is trying to hustle to hide this other part of her as mm. she is trying to then decide whether or not that is who she wants to be. But she also knows who it. Again, I think that yeah. this movie is a lot more complex. So her rushing to try to get dinner done and, you know, just like going to the store and buying all this stuff and like trying her best to put on those appearances for her husband. I think mm. that it's a really important scene. 
And I agree. I think that like it in in theory, the scene is good and it and it works on that level. It's just the execution that doesn't work because right. it overplays its hand and it right. tries yeah, too they, hard to be funny. They might as well have put it to Benny Hill music. That, that I mean, yeah, that's a, basically what they they do that. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah cause it, it would have been just as effective with her struggling to get the dinner ready without getting water from the fish tank without, you know, just yeah. in the hurry to make the dinner look like she had spent hours working on it and hadn't been fucking off all day long with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And I mean, I don't hate it. Like it's a fun scene at all, but it's, it's kind of like, like what you're saying. I agree that I think this movie is a drama, which is why a lot of times when it tries really, it goes, it just gets too sitcom at times. I think well, like and the humor is often overplayed and it doesn't feel grounded like the rest of the movie, except for the, pe- the fact that the parts that are funny, I think are hilarious, but they are like the subtle comedy. So yeah, they're not trying to be funny in those. Movies. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. It's, it's so like her, uh, the the dinner prep scene. It's trying to be funny, and I don't think that it works. I think again, the mm-hmm. content I think is important for the drama, the music, and like yeah. oh, here's a zany scene that doesn't work. Um, yeah. So so it's things like that. It's things like the music in in that dinner prep scene that just don't work, or the opening scene of the movie where it has kind of like that film noir, like jazz style, you know, like she's going into like the seedy diner to, I think the setup is fine. I think the misdirect of, Oh, you think that like she's buying drugs or something. I think that that works fine because like for her, like she, like she's doing something (laughs) like dangerous. She's doing something that she shouldn't buying jokes. Like, I think that that works fine. And I think that that film noir style music works fine, but it's too inconsistent. It's too, this music yeah. is for this scene. And, and I was actually thinking during that opening scene, oh, how awesome would this be if this was essentially like a modern day film noir, but rather than being like a down on his luck detective or a down on his luck uh, newspaper journal journalist who's trying to solve a murder, it's just, you know, some dude who does comedy and is kind of homeless and, you know, like trying to, I mean, honestly, it was kind of career. Fit. Yeah, like the way that yeah. the movie, especially with the yeah, with Tom Hanks's role, where he like his his relationship with comedy is kind of like there's a fatalistic quality to it. Yeah, That's yeah. An interesting idea. I like, I like that. And, and his relationship with Sally Field, I think, could also play into that. Like, there's so much that this could have taken all of the tropes of noir. She is kind of, yeah, she's like an accidental femme fatale in a way because she kind of like sneaks in and and usurps him in some way and mm-hmm. and he kind of lets her because he's intrigued by her. And the relationship is, is dangerous and yeah. like that could yeah, have like been this. Yeah, because awesome. it'd be like an affair, but it's not reciprocated. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like an interesting idea. Yeah, so like that could work. And if the music had stayed a little bit more with that to kind of hold the audience's hand to let them know like, hey. You're watching a noir, but it's not actually a noir, but it's noir. It not even sounds like a good noir name. Like it, it's not, it's like just simple, yeah. punchy. You know, like. <laughs> like that, that could have worked, but, but no, it, the, the, to me, it's the music that kills this movie. And if I could have seen it without a soundtrack, I think that I might actually love this movie. I, I see what you're, where you're coming from. I think it's a lot more than the music, though. Like, it's just, it's constantly... I just think that's it, the it biggest piece. It never quite finds a balance with a lot of stuff. Like, again, like, 
one of the things I was reading, I, I keep talking about the John Goodman character where like the movie wants you, I feel like the idea behind the movie is that he just doesn't really understand why his wife wants to pursue this passion, mm-hmm. but he's just a complete asshole to her the entire movie. And then at the very end, they want you to kind of like see that he is a supportive husband. He wants to be there for her and all this stuff. And it's like, it, it just feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like it feels like a totally different character. I... And I, I feel like there are just a lot of examples of that kind of stuff. Yeah, the movie. I could have seen him coming around more to her career. I know the whole like, Oh, he finally gets to see her act and see her up there shining is what turns him around. Mm. I don't know if her act warranted that. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, well, right, yeah. Her, her he's act, like, he act. is so, he finds it so hilarious. Which is, is he fine. But, I mean, his his turn comes so quick, but her act yeah. doesn't earn it for me. Her act is fine. It's much better than what it was at the beginning of the film. Um, so I, I do like that there's some character growth there with what her act turns into and how Hanks helps shape that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I loved those scenes. They didn't need any romantic tension between them because she's got a very, he is a lost wounded boy who doesn't know what to do with his life. If he doesn't make it in comedy, because he's, he's not good at being a doctor. Yeah. It's like the only thing he knows. He can't identify the rectum. He's, which I also think is kind of a funny little in joke. That's actually a pretty funny. He doesn't know his asshole from his elbow type of thing. I do love that he calls it the poop shoot. So I, I liked the fact that she's kind of taking him under her motherly wing to be that kind of supportive person while he's helping her, even if they, he's not helping her out of the most altruistic of reasons at the beginning. Right. When they start turning that into a romantic subplot, I was like, oh, no. So, well, and no. I, a, it doesn't num- need that. It a doesn't number need of that. things. Because that tension goes away pretty damn quickly. A number you of know? things. They, they, hmm? I, I said a number of things. Um, so, God, I have so many things I want to talk about with this movie, but I also want to keep an eye on the time. <laughs> so, in relation to. Uh, to John Goodman and like how quick that turnaround is. I do agree that there's not enough. And so it does feel rushed, but this is why the perm scene is actually important up until that point. The, the, the romantic tension or the uh, not romantic, the domestic tension that you have between John Goodman and Sally field is John Goodman views himself as like, I am working. I'm supporting this family. I'm doing everything to take care of this family you know, I'm I'm doing my part. Your part is She's to take care of the kids. Your part is to be here and keep the house. And yes, there are some very problem problematic uh, gendered norms with that. But outside of that discussion, just within the context of two married people trying to find the balance of who does what, how do we do this, how do we maintain our relationship how do we maintain you know the the pre-marriage love that we had for each other with also being parents with also being married with also getting older with also having to deal with bills with also like all of these things are already in place i don't think that john goodman is an asshole in fact the way that she talks about him and the way that tom hanks responds to what she is saying about him i feel like that is overplaying it like, I don't think that he's that bad. I think that he is just trying 
but stressed and misguided. And all I think that's he, what the movie is trying to do. Well, but, but in my mind, it it overplay it, it does it too much. Like he's too hard on her. He's see, really hard. She doesn't. He but, doesn't. But, he but isn't supportive think, in any way. I, so I. But here's the thing about that. And this is not me but trying he to defend her to support him in everything. This is like, not me trying right. to defend John Goodman's character. This is trying yeah. to explain why I think within John Goodman's mind, I don't think that he thinks that he was doing that bad because for him. He sees everything that he is doing for the family and he right, sees yeah. Sally field not he sees we've been saving up all of this money in the cookie jar so that we can go on a vacation so that we can try to rekindle things so that we can try to just have a break. You spend it on jokes like from <laughs> his standpoint, yeah. if you watch this movie, not from Sally field's character, but from John Goodman's character, it is a very different different movie and so i'm not saying that he is being supportive he's also trying to control all. her too like he keeps telling her she can't go out she can't do this i'm thing not again i'm like not saying that he's good i'm not saying that he's right i'm not defending him i'm trying to explain why things like the perm scene are important and why uh the turnaround even though yes it's quick i i feel like it actually works he only it's sees functional he only <laughs> sees sally field not doing her part in his mind. I have to make that clear that I'm not saying, oh, well, if the wire right, just yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, in, in John Goodman's mind, he's doing his part. He does not see his wife uh, as doing her part. Yes. When you get to the perm scene and she's like, I just wanted a change. That's the mm. first time that he actually sees something of like, oh, oh, and like she's visibly right. upset. He sees the thing that's been there the entire time. <laughs> we see that as an audience because we see other things that are going on. John Goodman is not the audience. If, John Goodman is is the husband. He's like I, I, dude, I get where you're coming from. I don't want to. I don't want to stamp in this much time on this. But I, I just I don't. I I'm I not, lo- listen. I love John Goodman. I think it's smart to cast him because he has a lovable side to him in general that like makes you it kind of it makes it difficult to hate him in general i just think his character is way too controlling way too harsh on her i'm not defending his character i'm and saying why things work that's when why the turn doesn't work for me though that, but that's why the perm scene is important in the perm scene it's that, too easy nope, be, it, it might be easy but also haven't you ever been talking to someone whether you're close or not, haven't you ever been talking to someone and maybe you're just kind of making jokes about things or maybe you're just kind of being a little bit lighthearted. And then like you, you look at their face and you're just like, Oh shit. You don't Mm -hmm. look Oh my God. Did I go too far? And like, maybe you don't think that you're saying anything. Like maybe you're just kind of making some jokes and you don't realize that what you've said has hit a nerve. And when you see that, that nerve has been struck you're like, Oh, and that's the thing is I'm not saying what John Goodman did is necessarily like the good supportive husband thing to do. What I'm saying is he did not see Sally Field's pain. I'm not saying that her pain wasn't there. I'm not saying that he saw it and ignored it. I'm saying he didn't see it. He did not see the pain that yeah, she was in. He's an asshole. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Nathan. I'm being contrarian. Just. And, I, and I get all that too. Like I just, it just doesn't work for me. I it, functionally, it, it is too quick. He's 
it's, raging it, asshole to nice guy. I uh, see, really and I don't fast. think that he's and necessarily that being... is way too overwrought for it to have any kind of emotional resonance for me. I was just kind of laughing at how absurd it was. I like it's okay. a sweet moment. Her kids if, are super sweet. If you're he's really nice if to her, you're, if feels your like a wife scene out of a totally home, different movie. If your wife came home with a perm, are you telling me that you would not have a oh my god, are you okay? type of reaction no like, i'm not saying i wouldn't do that i don't know what you, i don't know where you're going with it nathan we got to move past the perm thing there's so much more to talk about you're the one who keeps being contrarian it. because i'm talking about how important it is because of all of the context that it gives to his to john goodman's character it's important it's and just, just, turn around. It just doesn't it's just bad scene i disagree but all right all right so i disagree um, here's the other thing here's the other thing with uh with the romantic tension between tom hanks and sally field Yes, this you, is what I want to move on to. Good. You mean lack of romantic tension? It's it's not yes. needed, but it makes sense because no. it, very, very okay from like a very Freudian perspective. I think it's like of, a misplaced. No, he's misplacing his feelings and. Yeah, it's it's an it's an Oedipus complex. It is a very very much he hates his dad, and so even though you know you don't know anything about his relationship with his mother, you do know how much he hates his dad. And so growing up in that kind of environment, you can only assume that his mother was his safe haven. And so with Sally Field being a little bit more motherly, that brings up the I feel safe here and I don't feel safe anywhere else. And that it, it, it might not be like the most romantic and it might not necessarily be the most believable, but... To me, it works because of some of the other contextual things with I, with his upbringing. I, I I agree with what you're saying, and I and I I agree like with Dan, and I see like it does happen way too fast. But I also think that it's one of those things where it's like I don't think he really has romantic feelings for her, and I do like that in the movie she never really reciprocates. Like she's like, no, I love my husband, I want to be with him, and Tom Hanks is. I think part of it is like he sees the way that she approaches his craft and how she approaches it from just a place of like sincerity. She's like, yeah, I like telling jokes because I like me making people laugh. And in his mind, I feel like he sees that and he's like, that's what I want out of this. Like, I wish that this was something that I could just enjoy rather than having to bust my ass all the time trying to make it as a comedian because it's the only thing that I can do. And I also think, too, that he like... I think part of it too is he sees the talent that she has and he wants to help her, but he also like sees that her husband, like he, he's looking at her husband as the thing that's holding her back. And I think in his mind, he's thinking like, I can rescue you from this situation. Cause he's constantly like bringing up the husband thing. Like he's a jerk to you. He's controlling you. You need to leave him. I'll take care of you. He's but looking I think in at, his mind. He's trying to save her. I think he's looking at it as he could never stand up to his own dad. And so he is displacing right, that, yeah, like, and I can stand up to John Goodman as a as a replacement also, for not standing up to my own dad. D- Dan, you uh, keep looking like you're about to say things. Him, but, yes, of know. course he would. <laughs> well, and I think too, like there's a. Oh, go ahead. Wait, well, no, it's, it's, it's just I Dan, myself. <laughs> <laughs> my echo, and was like, no, you go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Dan, weird. you look like you had something to say uh, a minute ago. What are your thoughts uh, with with where we are currently, either directly related or changing the subject? If you're like, we've been talking about this far too long. Which one of us, Dan? You. 
no. Um, I, I, th- I think I'm against the romantic angle of it because it just kind of ruins what is a pure relationship. The yeah. scene with the two of them in like the bowling alley. Just probably the best scene in the movie. I mean, talking is such a great scene. Yeah, and I I wish it could have just maintained the hey we are two people who are kind of not where we want to be in life. We can find some solace in each other. We can learn something from each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. Yeah, um, I I loved the scenes. I mean, and and you wrote it in the notes uh, where, where he talks about, you know, nothing is funny to him. You know, nothing is a joke to him. That's why he does stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. That's That that part was so brilliant in her understanding that and then her coming from her perspective as to why she does it. I, I just wanted more of that where they're teaching each other what they can, what they can teach to each other without mm-hmm. it having to shoehorn in a romantic angle so it's like like from like from an edible's point yeah i understand point i can understand that i do agree that he sees safety in her because his life has zero stability and Mm. for as messed up as her life is at this moment it is still a relatively stable existence she has and it's obviously something he wants out of life he wants that stability and but he even he like thinks- mentions like they could be an act together. Like there's even yeah. I feel like there's just kind of a self preservation aspect to it where it's like so, I can I like being with you and also I can coast off of what you're doing. Yes. To a certain extent, I, which is how he immediately like the first thing that he does to her is he's like, Yeah, I'll write you jokes because I you know, know you paid five hundred dollars for jokes. <laughs> which yeah. Again, he plays it so well and so believable and such an asshole. So yeah. here, here's the thing. I, I agree with everything that both of you are saying in terms of like, it's not needed. It does. It definitely prolongs the movie. And this could have been a much better movie if it was actually shorter. Like if this had been a hundred minutes, I think that it could have been a tighter movie, trim up some of the fat and it could have been much more solid, get rid of the the romance and it could have been better. Mm. Here's mm. the thing though. It also takes out one of the better scenes of the movie. One of my he, favorite scenes. But yes. Also we'll get to that in just a second. Here's the thing, though. While I understand all of the things, again, that we're just talking about, like with the Oedipal stuff with Hanks and stability and all this other stuff, I don't think that the romance was there for his storyline. The romance was there for Sally Field's storyline as part of that awareness and, and that recognition of, yes, comedy is what I am wanting to do. And like, that's part of how I'm finding myself. And that's part of, you know, the the way that I'm coping with feeling like I'm in a rut, but I don't want to lose what I have and not in a, like, I don't want to lose the stability of a, of a a husband and kids, but just like a, no, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want to leave them. Like that is part of who I am. And that is a very important part of who I am. Yeah. And while I think that the movie could have worked without it, I feel like that gave so much more depth to her character and her awareness and her finding who she was yeah. within mm-hmm. all of her stuff. And and uh, I, I forget which one of you mentioned this earlier about being disappointed that like there's not more Tom Hanks in it. I don't think that this is a Tom Hanks movie. This is a Sally no, Field not- movie. 
It's her yeah, story. it's yeah. She's she's the star of it, and and I I'm fine with that. Like I do like her storyline. I think it's good, but I also think that Tom Hanks kind of overshadows her because her storyline is a fairly it's like the more universal, relatable kind of like chasing your dreams kind of thing, and it's good for what it is. But I also think that his storyline is so different and and kind of hones in so much more on like what it means to actually be a stand-up comedian and there's so there's like so much darkness to his storyline that i find like it's just more interesting on a narrative yeah. level and an emotional level yeah because uh, from, from, from his and perspective, he has a lot more to chew on as an actor in the movie yeah from his perspective and i think from i i think the other comedians would have probably been on the same side of this they're busting their ass trying to be better. I would have seen her as yeah. an interloper. Like, you're just here to be funny, get your laughs, and go home. Yeah, she'd been doing what for, this I think she said, like, 13 weeks. It's like, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, three months? Yeah. And they're oh, like, this is my life. Yeah. This is, you know, and when he when he's like, no, you know, you want to do this, you need to be busing out to all these areas for whatever yeah. work you can get to hone. And it's one of the, my favorite parts of the movie when he's talking about what it's the life is like. It's not a... You, 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 you think of stand-up comedians and you see these people getting, you know, these hour-long Netflix specials and getting, you know, Chappelle getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. Mm. You, 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 you tend to forget that, you know, he started working at, like, the age of 14. You know? Doing small acts that didn't go anywhere and well, yeah like you know right yeah and for every day there, Chappelle, are, more, there are far more stand-up comedians who have never been a household name who have been right, working yeah. for 30 years yeah there's like a thousand guys just doing the the club circuit you know like, yeah yeah, e- even though the scene is a bit on the nose i still uh liked it when tom hanks is doing like his um like sidewalk preacher uh, version of stand-up comedy for the people waiting for the bus stop and you know he's doing all of his um like doctor related humor and then the bus shows up and yeah. everyone gets on there and there's just like that one uh, homeless woman left and he says something mm-hmm. about like selling your dreams can, can you imagine that or whatever the line is you know he says something yeah. about selling his dreams and, and again yes it's very on the nose but it's, uh, I feel like, an important on the nose where it's like he is out there busting his hump. He is doing everything trying to make it because, again, it's the only thing that he feels like he can do. Or at least it's the only thing that he's putting any effort into trying to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at a certain, Because he's good, it comes naturally to him. So it's like that's... It, it the, comes naturally. That's the thing he kind of clings to. It comes naturally, mm-hmm. but it's also destroying him. And, right. uh, and and both of you have kind of mentioned that in terms of like some of that darkness of stand up comedians and some oh, of yeah. the like the best humor comes from it comes from real life. Yeah, He's, I can't remember which stand up comedian said it, but it was it was such a brilliant insight. It's like stand up comedians were never the funny kid in school. They were always the angry kid in school. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it feels like some, that's something like Mark Maron would have said. I can't remember who said it. But it's just that kind of line where it's like, yeah, they're not happy usually. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about this. Like, I was trying to think of other movies that are about stand-up comedy, and almost every single one of them are dramas. Like, they are not comedy films. Like, there's no like yuck yuck kind of screwball, whatever. Like, not screwball, but just like uh, goofball comedies that are about people who do stand-up comedy. Like, it just yeah. it's just not really what those. 
th- that's not what's interesting about stand-up comedy because again like most most of the best uh like stand-up bits are about like people staring darkness in the face and trying to laugh at it and get and, like mm-hmm. laugh the pain away and like yeah and they use it as a way to talk about issues that are uncomfortable that mm-hmm. you can't talk about any other way and yeah. um Pat Oswalt, who is one of the funniest like comedians out there, who's even good at like you know the sitcomy comedy. That's what most people know him as is the guy from King of Queens. Yeah, but his the special he did, the first special he did after the death of his wife, was just a stunning piece of comedy because like you're laughing at his jokes because he's a nerd and I love his nerdity. He'll make a joke about Star Wars, and then next thing you know, he's talking about what it's like waking up the day after his wife has died. Right. And it just flowed so effortlessly into that, and you can't help but be captivated as he keeps going on, and still somehow making it funny from time to time. You know, you are you are listening to this man's worst year of his life, but he's still finding humor in it. And yeah. it's, it's it's such a it's such a stunning thing to to be able to witness. I mean, we've talked about it earlier this year with Bo Burnham, with his special Inside. Yeah, and that's same thing. Guys going through some shit, and somehow it is still super funny. And it's yeah, it's just the way that he. A lot of times, it's like the stand up is just their way of coping with whatever mm-hmm. else that they've got going on in their life yeah. because they don't know how else to. To cope with it, yeah. Well, it's, it's like and, that and old alley. For, for the first, for so much of this movie, I discounted Sally Field's story. Yeah, I was almost angry at it for a while because I'm like, no, I want more Hanks. <laughs> Give me his story. That's the story I want. That's the story that's more interesting to me. But then, as you go on, you realize like Hanks's story can't exist without her story interjecting yeah. because which is which yeah. is great. <laughs> and and it's, it's kind of why too. Like I feel like. The the whole the way that I kind of rationalize the romance is it feels like that is his that is another like coping mechanism is him trying to you know quote unquote marry her fall in love with her or whatever but I but part of it too is I think it's it's if I have to put on like my pop psychologist hat you know <laughs> I feel like he obviously is suffering from like some kind of bipolar disorder or something mm-hmm. because he's constantly like oscillating between extreme emotions mm-hmm. and it just feels like in that moment he's just saying whatever's coming to his mind. I mean, and that's the moment where he like truly confesses his love to her or whatever, when they're in the diner where he's like running around and saying things that don't really make a lot of sense. And he's doing the singing in the rain bit and stuff. And he's just, he just doesn't know how to, how to handle the emotions that he's feeling. And he's directing it in whatever way just makes sense to him in that moment. Yeah, that's such a good scene. Like that that that's the that's the bit of the movie where his performance is like, man, this is just and it, it, like he gets it. Like it's just such an exceptional performance. He see he seems like he is truly insane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So one of the things that relates to all this, not only in terms of uh, you know Dan, like you were just talking about with Pat Oswalt, but also. Um, uh, too, too many other things that I'm trying to reference back to and at this point I'm starting to lose track of all the stuff that I'm like oh yes and this relates to blah 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 but um, with some of that that darkness and the humor oh uh, Eric with what you were saying of like most movies about stand up comedy or most movies about comedy are dramas rather than comedies about comedy 
Um, they're either a funny what's, movie or it's a dark movie about something that's supposed to be funny kind of thing. What's um, the what's the joke about the formula of comedy is tragedy plus time? Well, yeah, so anyway, like, yeah. that's the thing is there's such a fine line between tragedy and, and comedy. And, you know, even going back to like Shakespearean stuff of like his comedies were incredibly dark and, you know, like not lots of death and wordplay. And then his dramas <clears throat> always had some sort of comic relief. Like there's such an, an interplay between uh, between drama and, and comedy. I mean, like that's why you have the um, like the classic image of the frowny uh, theater face and the smiley theater face is because like yeah. those are the two extremes of emotions. Everything kind of falls within that. You know, even horror, which we spend a good you know eleven and a half months uh, out of the year talking about. Even horror fa- falls somewhere between the extreme sadness and extreme joy. We're not going to get into necessarily all that in terms of like where emotions fall right now, but but within all of that, they're not mutually exclusive. And like Dan was saying earlier, a lot of comedians weren't the funny kid in school. They were the angry kid or they were the angry kid who masked everything with humor. You know, it's like that old adage. You have to laugh to keep from crying kind of thing. Or like when people talk about like, oh, laughter is the best medicine. You know, I think most people hear that and think like, oh, I need something to laugh at to distract me from what's going on. I think what that saying is supposed to be is you need to find the humor in what's going on, not to distract you from it, but to be able to like think more critically and more completely about what the situation is. Where is the comedy so that there can be something to keep you going. So like you, you yeah. need to be able to find that humor in everyday moments because it, it's, it's just funnier when, when you can laugh at things rather than getting upset with them. Now it's not always necessarily mm-hmm. easy. Uh, and I am on way too long of a tangent. So I'll bring it back around uh, in terms of that, like that fine line between tragedy and comedy relating it back to Sally Fields arc. Yes, Tom Hanks has the very obvious he is the suffering comedian. And like when he sees his dad and he has that breakdown and like you you feel that emotion and is it a bit too melodramatic? Sure, fine, whatever. It also works. But he has oh, a that's very good. That's, it, that it, illustrates it's a great your point scene. perfectly, that scene does, I think. Because like everything that he was saying, if he had a different tone, would have been a joke. It's the fact that he mm-hmm. couldn't find the humor in that moment because there was just too much anger, too much fear, too much stress. But like that is the core of what so many of his other jokes came from. It's just in that moment he couldn't find the humor. But again, Tom Hanks's arc is a very obvious arc. It's very obvious to see the, the pain that he's going through and it works. And I think that it's effective and him being an asshole at asshole. I think that him being an asshole does work for him in this movie, because if he had been nice, I don't think that that character would have been the right character for this movie. He needed to be the dude. Yeah, he's got, he's just full of rage and he's just lashing out because of his lot. Like, I think there's a part of the movie where he, he's, he kind of resents that this is his talent because because like, it, you know, he looks at his dad and his brother and he sees how successful they are, but he can't do what they do because he can't handle the sight of blood. And so he tells jokes because that's what he's best at, but he can't 
find his way through life by telling jokes. Like, he busts his ass all the time, and he's getting nowhere. Mm. You know, his passion doesn't ever reciprocate in any way. Well, and and he, it's it, it's got to be frustrating. And of course, you'd be angry. Well, and he also makes it know? like pretty clear with his story about when he was a kid being up in the attic, you know, like wrapping tinfoil around himself to come up with superheroes. That's what he has done with comedy. He has put yeah. on his comedy superhero facade as a defense mechanism against everything else. And again, Tom yeah. Hanks' story, even though I think that it totally works and I think that it is a, a great story and a great arc. It's also obvious Sally Fields arc. I feel like is just as important, maybe not necessarily as obvious. And we already spent a lot of time talking about that with, uh, with the whole perm thing, but she is also using comedy as a defense mechanism. She's in a rut with her husband. She is trying to figure out who she is in her life. She's trying to, again, like find that identity between wife, mother, Mm. and just person. And so for her, like again, the comedy is still that defense mechanism. It is serving the exact same purpose. And that's one of the reasons that I love um, Tom Hanks's line about, I don't think anything is funny. That's why I'm a stand-up comedian. And you're not is because mm-hmm. like, again, maybe two on the nose, but he is basically saying, this is my defense. Yeah. You- well, I mean, the movie starts off with showing that she doesn't know how to go about being a comedian. Right. You don't yeah. go buy jokes. <laughs> That's just not what you do. I mean, there are some comedians out there that have, and uh, yeah. Oh, oh, sure, <laughs> but it's like you talk to like comedians, like the comedian comedians. They're like, you don't fucking do that, you know? You, yeah. And right, it's again, it's because she just wants to make people laugh because it makes yeah. her feel good. She's she's trying yeah. to figure out what her what what her role is in the story, yeah. what her. You know, and I what, like that she doesn't know how to go about that because mm-hmm. it's that's not. I mean, even today, if someone's like, "How how do you be a stand up comedian?" I'd be like, "I I don't know. Go go to a show and watch them. I guess." Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's. I mean, nowadays there are, but it's not like back then you could buy all these manuals and internet shit on how to be a stand up comedian. Right. Yeah. He just knows that. I, I have a feeling like prior to this movie. Like her and John Goodman went out on like a date and went to see a stand-up comedian, and she got in her head that that's that looks kind of fun. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that looks fun. And then like she got faced with the, I want to do that, but I don't have the fucking first clue on how to do it. Well, and like there's a huge difference between telling a joke and understanding comedy. Like it's yeah. easy to tell a joke. It well, is yeah, Man- Manson is funny. Berkowitz is not. and i i actually i thought the berkowitz joke was hilarious especially the second time that she uh, told it because like she was really selling it and like she was in the groove and i think it's just because most people don't know who son of sam was at least and that's why yeah Yeah. because it's not everyone knows manson not everyone knows it's not as relatable yeah Yeah. like like that's that's the thing and i uh, one of the few instances where they don't actually uh hold your hand with this is the reason berkowitz isn't funny is because it alienates the audience with a you're not smart enough to know who this is you're not smart enough to get the joke but everyone knows who charles manson is type of thing and i'm so glad you brought this up because that's kind of my 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 uh, my other biggest issue with this movie is i feel like that is where the movie kind of fundamentally falls apart is that 
it has that same problem where it feels like, for me at least, like, we haven't talked too much about the actual stand-up routines in this movie, but I don't think that the stand-up in this movie is very funny at all. Like, I think that Tom Hanks and Sally Field are so good at selling it, and, like, you completely buy that the audience would laugh at it. John Goodman has this great laugh that totally sells. Like, yeah, he's having a good time. This is so funny. Everything they're doing is hilarious. But I'm sitting here like, is that is that really funny? Like, well, I, it's, the there. whole movie, it feels like I am the one, who, the only person who doesn't get the joke. At that time, that was what passed for 95% of stand-up. And I, I think there's a there's a time thing, too. And yeah. a lot of it is, a lot of the jokes in this movie, we haven't even mentioned, like, the the whole movie kind of revolves around this club that is populated with actual stand-up comedians. Um, But yeah, a lot of the jokes are just basically like people imitating accents of racist jokes, essentially. Yeah, there's a lot of very racist kind of, even Tom Hanks gives like, he has a pretty funny joke in the movie. His first set is so racist. His first set is very racist, and it's unfortunate because there is a joke in it that's pretty funny. Like, I love the idea of like the the taxi driver or whatever, like just making up stuff as they go along just to like have a good story. And he talks about the, like where they came up with the name of Columbus circle and yeah. Columbus came in and he just looked around <laughs> in a circle. It's like, that's a funny joke, but he's doing it with this really offensive, like middle Eastern kind of accent. Some of that is no, definitely but, the fact that I mean, it's, you know, again, over 30 years old and just the jokes are, are dated and yeah, did yeah. not stand up. The really funny joke that no one these days would get is the, the 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 famous comedian that comes to the club? That's the comedian Barry Sobel. Yeah, he he was essentially like a proto Adam Sandler. He was very popular, but Jesus, he was not funny. His oh. act sucked. I thought as a kid, I'm like, this guy is terrible. But Jesus, he was popular back then. So I, I kind of like the joke there that like he's the big wig at the show when <laughs> Tom Hanks this whole thing is he's making fun of him. So, so a bit of a meta joke with it. So uh is no one no one knows who, who buries it. Well, so like relating some of the like the difference between comedy and a joke and and why for some people it absolutely works and they're able to do great comedy and others are just up there telling jokes or like a lot of the stand-up comedians uh in punchline who just weren't funny because they were just kind of doing bits and and not actually doing the thing that tom hanks was doing and i think that that was the purpose um is i think that the rest of the comedians weren't funny because they were doing very standard like just bits or very standard jokes to really highlight this is what separates Tom Hanks as a stand-up comedian Mm. from a joke teller is he is incorporating himself. He is, you know, like bearing his heart and soul to the audience sometimes through racist jokes, but like he is up there incorporating his life and his experiences and taking that darkness and turning it into humor and doing a thing that a lot of other comedians at the time weren't necessarily doing like Dan at the beginning of the episode, when you mentioned that Tim Taylor and um, uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, like you just didn't think that they were very funny, but they are two of the most popular and well-known comedians 
because they and, and he yeah Tim Allen was doing the, the, the sorry yeah Tim Allen not Tim man act that he was that he turned into Tim the Toolman Taylor yeah well but like that, that's the thing that was his whole act he would spend yeah three minutes of a ten minute act doing that stupid grunting <laughs> that being a like, caveman yeah I'm like why are people laughing at this and that's I mean that's still a problem I have today up here in Maine. Um, you guys might know him best from like one of the, he was one of the detectives in uh, Boondock Saints, but uh, Bob, the comedian Bob Marley, he's from Maine. He's fucking huge up here. Everyone loves him. He sucks so bad. <laughs> I, he just plays up on every stereotypical thing, and that's his that's his act. That you know, oh, I'm going up to camp to go fishing, and I'm like, oh, fuck off! You know, <laughs> that is not how we sound. That is not funny. But Jesus, if he doesn't appeal to the lowest common denominator across the board, and that's the thing, and, and that's what so many of those acts were. But yeah. that directly <laughs> but, yeah. ties into what we we're talking about earlier of like not wanting to alienate the audience by telling a joke that is smarter than them. Like the, the the Jerry Seinfeld, like, what's the deal with airplane peanuts? You know, it's like, oh, I've been on a plane. I can relate to that. Like, there's no yeah. darkness in it, but it's relatable. And that is why people like Brian Hussein or Patton Oswalt or uh, or Mark Marin or um, like some of these darker or uh, 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 Maria Bamford, who like, man, oh, yeah. I adore. I, uh, Adore her stuff, but it is uncomfortable on purpose. But like the, these really dark comedians, these are the ones that I gravitate to because they are just so hilarious. Because I can see that they are bringing themselves into their stories. Yeah, the ones that are jokes, are, they, they make me chuckle. But it's like that's eh, yeah. it's fine. And yeah, I, think- I don't know if either of you guys saw the skit on SNL this weekend about uh cicely tyson on weekend up did did a joke called oh, i heard uh, about this like geppo the abortion clown or something like that Jeez. it's so dark and so ridiculous because all she keeps talking about is clown abortions for like five minutes and it's obvious what she's really talking about but using she's dressed up as a clown she's got a horn that doesn't work the spinny bow tie <laughs> It's so fucking ridiculous, and you're like, this should not work. It's not like like what we've been talking about. Jesus, cat, she just fell on a tree. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not something that comes across as regularly funny. But the more you think about it, you're like, that was so fucking brilliant how she did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this woman's probably going to win an Emmy from just this once, you know, five minute skit. But it's the type of thing that if like a stand-up comedian went up and did this, most of the audience will be booing <laughs> before it gets anywhere. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, it's just, it's too dark. It's, it's too unrelatable for the common person. I hate to say, cause that makes us sound snobby, but it's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like that, that's kind of a really important point. And, and again, like tying it back into the punchline, I think that that's why one of you put in the notes, and I don't know who it was. Like, I, it was a very uh, interesting artistic choice to have comedians who aren't funny. I do think that that was <laughs> yeah, intentional that was to really highlight why Tom Hanks was doing something different and why what he was doing, um, like why it was so funny and why it uh, did have an impact. 
And, you know, like then. But I don't even think Tom Hanks is funny in this but movie. Like, it's uh, again, that's kind of the problem. Fine. Is, like, if humor, most of the jokes humor are is like, subjective. The bits, humor subjective. I said humor subjective. Ignore, yes. ignore whether or not you think that it's funny. The sure, movie, yeah. I mean, the movie is highlighting he's doing something different. And you get that. And right. The movie has to tell you that. It's kind of what, like, I, I wish that I could feel it the way that the audience does. Uh, Fine. You, but you the also, movie has to, I have to rely on the movie to tell me what is actually supposed to be funny and what well, is not. You're also to be not funny. getting it's like kind of all of weird. the jokes in context. You're not getting like the entire bit to get some of the. Because I mean, like the whole thing with humor is the, the you have a beginning, middle, and end. You have the setup, you have the expectation, and then you have the um, right, the yeah, unexpected. Building the tent, building and releasing of tension and all that. But I mean, you do get that. Like some of the stand, you do see entire stand-up sets at certain points and I, I don't know i just i just regardless of whether or not he's funny that's not the point yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> the point is not whether or not you find him funny it's what is the movie doing and is it effective for just what it's there's doing? a weird disconnect for me with it sure but i also <laughs> think that that's I, I think that that's part of why sally field's story does work you know like uh when they first meet and he's like oh yeah you know you've got that stage presence Yes, he you was have it because the movie tells try. you that she well, has it. <laughs> when, when he's saying that to her, whatever. When he's saying that to her, yes, some of that is he's just trying to sell her some more jokes to get the money to pay his rent to get back into his apartment. But, but he's being sincere about it. But he's also being sincere, and the the moment in the movie where like it really drives home the point that maybe. Maybe he didn't realize how sincere he was being, but when it finally dawned on him, like, oh, shit, at the end, when she is doing her stand-up routine and he realizes she's funnier than I am, like that moment, mm. it's, it's done so beautifully and there's just great physical acting. He doesn't need to say it. Like, you see the countenance in his face completely change and there's just like a... I, I can't do this. I'm 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 not as funny as I thought. She is funnier than me because of all of these other things, because she does have that stage presence, because she is incorporating her life into her comedy, because mm -hmm. since this is her story and her arc at that moment, as the entire movie, she's been trying to figure out who she is as a person and as a wife. Those two yeah. things are finally coming together. So she, as a person, is able to tell the jokes about being a wife with her husband there. And like all of it is finally coming together. And she's finding that balance between person and who she is as her and who she is within the context of others. Like all of that is right. finally coming to a head in that moment. And Tom Hanks sees it and he knows it. And that has me question whether or not he just couldn't handle it when he went up to do his stand-up. Like, if he just was unable to, to cope and if he was, like, really having a meltdown at the beginning. Or if that was part of his bit and he was trying to go a bit more extreme, you know, as part of his new material that he's been working on. Or, or if he couldn't hack it. But because of his relationship with Sally Field was able to bring it back around and kind of like find that balance. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure which one it is. I think that all three of them could work in, in terms of intentionally uh, throwing it so that she won. Um, uh, it being just part of his bit and it just not landing or 
you know, somewhere in between where he was really having a meltdown, but able to bring it back together. I think all three of them work. And I don't think that it matters which one it actually was. No, I don't think so as well. I, yeah. I agree. Uh, I do feel like in my mind, it doesn't seem like it's intentional. Like it seems like he is really kind of stymied when he first goes up only because I feel like if it was a bit, he would probably, he probably wouldn't play it. It would probably feel more like a bit, you know, because so much of what he does is kind of a bit like, the way that he relates to people is so he has that kind of confidence to um I, I don't know. I I mean I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just feels like it would be a bit more obvious if he was throwing it, but maybe not. I don't know. He's he's also that good at selling it. <laughs> I mean right. he was still good enough to come in second. So <laughs> <laughs> So I, I like that. I like it better if he doesn't do it on purpose, though, because then that kind of undercuts Sally Field's journey to being oh, to I, winning the competition. And that I I agree. Like I think that Sorry, it is. I think that it is. He was having a meltdown, but able to bring it back together because of his journey with her. That's what I think that it is. But again, I don't really think that it matters. So I guess I do, I'm comparing it to his uh, earlier meltdown too. It feels very sure. much very similar to that, right? Uh, yeah, and and you can and see I don't it think he starting could get to, to that go. Place and if he wasn't genuinely feeling those emotions, right? Yeah, completely agree. So there's one other thing. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look back over the notes to make sure there's not anything else. But there's one uh, one major thing sticking out that I want to mention. Let's say major, one other minor thing. But one of the last things that uh, that I want to make sure that we talk about. And obviously, if uh, either of you have other things that you want to talk about, we'll do that. But um, both of you, more so Eric, have said that the um, some of that disconnect between um, Tom Hanks' story and Sally Field's story, like it doesn't always tonally work. And, you know, like it feels like two separate stories that are both kind of underdeveloped, both great stories, but like they each could have been their own separate movies. And and again, totally agree with that, except for the fact that I do feel like they all actually work and I feel like their story is good and cohesive. But I do agree that this movie is two separate movies that don't work. The separate movie that doesn't work and it bugs me is the Inside the Club or inside the, uh, 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 was it the gas station? I think gas station. The, yeah. So inside the gas station and outside the gas station, specifically related to the other comedians. Because the bit at mm. the end with that older comedian when he's talking about being on the, uh, oh, what what show was it that he said that uh, that he was on? Um, it's the one the Beatles were on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ed Sullivan. Like, yeah, Ed Sullivan. Ed, Ed Sullivan. Sullivan. <laughs> Not yeah, Ed McMahon. Yeah. You ever heard of it? It's like, of course they've heard of it. <laughs> but like that yeah, bit. That- that 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 that's that it was a nice scene it was a nice bit but yeah it was out of place because we really don't know who that fucking guy is exactly yeah. or when the the guy that owns the gas station was like oh yeah you're not in the lineup and like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a heavy moment and it's like yeah he wasn't funny most of them weren't funny why are the rest of these people even in the lineup it's not good why is the, why is the guy in the nun outfit there because i don't oh get his at all the singing nun thing is it's so the bad. worst it's the worst thing of all time it's it's the worst I, I don't mean to be dramatic here but it is abysmal <laughs> uh, yep <laughs> i don't i don't get it at all i most of the other people just weren't funny and just kind of dumb um but 
like that that could have been its own movie focusing uh, yeah. on all of these comedians and this could have been like an ensemble movie where like they're all struggling and all going through things and you know you do have the the uh, older guy who you know like had been on the ed sullivan show and you know like he almost made it but something happened and so like he's been chasing that dream ever since and you've got like that could have been an mm-hmm. utterly fascinating movie focusing on them and tom hanks and sally field as part of that could have been like an awesome movie you know maybe like a a bigger part of it or cut some of that out like you know again the stuff at the end or like when he's sitting down there and they think that he had a heart attack and he's just sad it's like yeah that's sad because you know i am a human with emotions and when i see an old guy who is sad that's sad but I don't know if the dude was like a, just a, a, a racist or like an asshole. I don't know anything about this dude. Why should I care yeah. about him? Yeah. I think that's you added biggest... five minutes for the runtime for no reason. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I think that's kind of my biggest movie. problem with the movie overall is that it has this real mismanagement of priorities. Like there are so many scenes that will happen and you're like, yes, good. Build on this. Keep going with this. Like the scene where he breaks down in front of his dad and brother is incredible and then they get up and leave, and then it is never brought up again in any way. He never has any kind of confrontation with them. Like, it's just over. And right. then they never mention again. Or, like, the scene with him talking to the kid, the little kid in the hospital. It's like Sally Field sees him doing that. Nothing else happens again related to that whatsoever. And then the comedians there are a I... big thing. Like, I love the idea of getting, like, this behind the scenes of, like, seeing how this comedy club operates and how they kind of support each other and they're jockeying for spots and they don't want to go after each other. Like there's some really interesting stuff there that the movie doesn't really do anything with because they're just kind of in the background. Yeah. I mean, we, we sit through two sets of that history teacher who is just nothing but flop sweat. (laughs) I love him. him He's the only other, yeah, he's the only other like comedian that really, gets anything else to do in the movie yeah that has an actual arc yeah his is a great little bit because he thinks he's funny because his students laugh at him yeah but then he gets up on stage and realizes he has no control over the audience the way he has control over the his students and i love that you know just you know try telling you know hanks's advice just you know ask him if he wants new pictures of if he has any new pictures of his wife and the first guy he tries it on would kill him. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, uh, never mind. Yeah. I do. So that, yeah, that's a funny moment in the comedy club, but it doesn't really add much to why we're there. Well, and I do love his joke about uh, like listening to um, trying to learn the language on tape. And that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. I. I legitimately laughed <laughs> at that. That was, that was kind of funny. <laughs> so, but like the throwaway scenes, I think are fine. I think that the throwaway scenes like that, like the, excuse me, do you have any naked pictures of your wife? I think that that's fine because like, that's a callback to, um, to, to something that it tells you about Tom Hanks's character and why mm. you know, like this guy, Oh, it's never going to work for him. But Tom Hanks is the kind of guy who would make that joke even though you also get him saying that about the one guy and it's like, it's your daughter. It's like, no, no, that's not going to work. So you don't necessarily need two callbacks to it. I don't, I don't think that I don't, I don't think you need that. Um, Like I, I, the, uh, the scene when Sally field shows up uh, like at the beginning, she's like, Oh, will someone please switch with me? Like some of those throwaway scenes I think are fine to build the world of what Tom Hanks and Sally field are living in. 
Yeah. The stuff where, um, Eric, like you said, where like it gives you something, but it never goes anywhere with it. Why do you need it tries to, introduce... to do too much and ends up doing too little? Exactly. Like... Why do you need to introduce the history professor's wife at the end with this disapproving look when he doesn't win? Well, I don't care about his wife. We already see him. He is sad enough on his own. We don't need this other piece within this larger context or, or again, the, that older comedian, like there's so many of those things that if that had been the movie, again, that could have been a great movie or trim down some of those quote unquote serious parts with them to where it's just filler to, to round out the world of Tom Hanks and Sally field. So that I do agree with of, uh, it's two Mm. movies that don't necessarily med well, uh, meld well together but not in the same way that y'all meant it with the, uh, with the other two main story arcs. Um, I like the relationship with Tom Hanks and Sally. I mean, they're the best part and I like the way they kind of mingle together. I just think the, the problem is it doesn't ever, it doesn't, it doesn't build. I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about. It's a movie that uh, like we talked about this multiple times before I have at least where it's like with the editing, it's like, Right. Here's a scene, and then here's a scene. It doesn't do the and then thing. Right. It's just this happens, and then this happens. Right. Rather than them logically flowing into one another. Yeah. And and I again, I think that more it's kind of vignette almost at times. Like it's just a series of isolated scenes that are pretty good. Don't logically build on one another in a way that I think that it for builds me. for me more than it does for you. But we've already quibbled enough over that. Um. All right. The anything else that either of you want to talk about? I want. I want to talk about the ending. Well, just let's talk about the ending. Yeah. Good. The ending was one of the things I really struggled with the first time I watched it because I was, you, you know, like we've already said, Sally Fields ends up winning the competition and she 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 walks away from it. She gives it up, and then I'm like. This really is a sucky message to give to people. <laughs> like, you know, oh, the, the woman finally bests the man and she decides to just give it back. You know, she doesn't, you know, oh, I'm not going to win. I'm just going to go back and be married. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, it's like, I am looking at that so much from my perspective because I'm the type of guy who wants to win that competition. Right. Right. To me, that's what's most important. To Tom Hanks, that's what's most important. And I thought that was actually kind of brave of them to have her walk away and kind of go back to her. her you know, she's still a comedian. She's not going to not do comedy anymore. But for her, the end game was never getting that special. Right. She didn't yeah. give a f- if she was on network TV. Right. She doesn't want she the career. Just wanted, yeah. She just wanted the validation. She's doing it for herself because she thinks she's funny and can be funny and can bring laughter to people. So and that was one of those the more I thought that's one of the ones I thought about over the past like two nights. So I was just, just like, God, that pisses me off still that she walked away that, you know, she gives it up and Tom Hanks kind of wins by default. And God, that, of course a man would write that, but it's like, no, 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 that's just me thinking about it through the wrong lens. And the more I think about it, the more I actually really liked that ending that she didn't need that. So she didn't have to win. And she recognizes that Hanks does. If he doesn't win that, because again, everybody, everybody there assumes Hanks is going to win anyway, right? Because they're all. I mean, it's only the only reason it happens is because he is so persistent about trying to get like a network deal or whatever, and then this was the kind of compromise 
option they offered him. Yeah. I still kind of go back and forth where, like, when it happened in the movie, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, after all this, like, she really wanted to do this and she's just going to give it up? And I do think that, like, I, I agree. Like, like I, I like that she kind of gives it up and it's like, yeah, I didn't really need this and he does and he's going to, you know, this is this is his big shot and, you know, maybe things will work out for him in the end. There's also a part of me that feels like it's too neat. Like, it's too mm-hmm. clean. It is too, like, yeah, of course she gives it up because she, you know, everybody else there is busting their ass because this is their craft. This is what they do. They're trying to make it big. She just wants to hang out and make people laugh. So it makes it, she mm-hmm. gets the satisfaction of knowing she is just as good as everyone else. But, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it works narratively. It gives them good, satisfying, nice arcs, ties it with a nice bow. But there's a part of me that still just feels like it's too easy and it's too neat and it's too, especially for a movie that is trying so hard to kind of get at like the underlying darkness of what it means to be a comedian and what, you know, what these people, the reason why these people go up on stage and do this because they're seeking some kind of validation or because it's a compulsion that they have. And and there is something about it that's like, I don't know, it just, I think I like it because I like the happy endings overall, but it does... It still doesn't quite sit right with me. So I well, don't. I mean, they, no, nobody else could have won because we haven't seen enough of their act to really <laughs> no tell us. Like, yeah. funny. I mean, do we see any of Taylor Negron's act? That last uh, one. You, like, uh, he, he has the worst bit with yeah. the rug joke. It's so bad. And I love Taylor Negron. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, that bums me out. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that it wishes she at least like went up on stage and just accepted the award. Like, yes, awesome. Thank you. I love the I don't know. I just I don't know. Yeah. So I don't disagree with what either of you are saying. I do have a different perspective, though, because of watching the movie as her movie with her arc, with her trying to find herself, with her using comedy uh, her, of course, being Sally Field, uh, using comedy as her defense mechanism. Um, but the thing that she is trying to defend against is being in a rut and feeling, you know, like just some of that disconnect from her husband and trying to find who she is within her marriage and her uh, being a mother and herself and all of those things that we've been talking about. For me, it works not because she walks away from it, but when she gets the she's not really walking away. Well, it, when she gets the note from John Goodman and he's and he's like, oh, you've already won. And, you know, like there, there's that reconnect yeah. with him. That to me is what sells the ending is as she again is trying to find that balance and trying to find who she is. And she loves her husband and she doesn't want to leave him, but mm. she wants that reconnection with him by her finally opening herself up a little bit and allowing him to be a part of that part of her life they are able to be closer and in being closer, mm-hmm. they're able to have some of that reconnection and in that reconnection, she's able to find more of who she is in multiple uh, areas of her life. Yeah. And so like that to me is why she's able to walk away. It's not that she doesn't want to win. It's not that she doesn't want to uh, be on network TV. It's in that moment when she gets the note from her husband, right. she realizes this is who I am. I am very good at this, but I am a wife and a mother and I don't want to give this up, which <laughs> I I love Honestly, uh, at the end when the gas station guy is like, do you ever want to work here again? Saying it as a, if you walk out the door, you're finished. I'm never letting you work here yeah. again. And her response is just, 
yep <laughs> and walks out. Yeah. it's so beautiful just the look on his face of just uh because you know that she's going to come back and what's he going to do say no like she she's good and of course she's going to keep drawing the crowds and so like you she, know yeah. she was a crowd favorite obviously yeah so you know that she's going to do well and again for her Honestly, it was all I about validation the- not about success right and and honestly i i think the the ending would have been better if she had just gotten the note from her husband and it's like yeah you're a winner this is great she gets everything that she wants she gets that personal satisfaction without alienating her family and then just let tom hanks win the competition like i think having her reject the award in the end is kind of I, i don't i don't feel like it's necessary i feel like it would just make more sense if it's like yes tom hanks is the best because this is something he busts his ass to do. This is his livelihood. He is meant to do great things within this field. And Sally Field can be there to support him because she also believes in him and also likes him. Like, I don't know. It just almost feels like it would make more sense for him to just be the winner and for her to not walk away with her husband at the end. It's, it's got I mean, this weird kind of like, I do like the darkness of him not winning outright and, three of the five people not even liking him and like yeah he won but like that be, shows he's still be, going it, to have a hard path and he is still gonna ruffle yeah and he's still i i like the fact that that is not a nice uh neat tidy little bow that's a hey you're successful now your life's still gonna suck man like I actually like the movie doesn't really do that, that much with it though. Like oh, it still feels like it's course. triumphant for him. It's like one of the, the. It's like so many other scenes where it gives you a piece that if you're like us and uh, overthink everything, we can lead uh-huh. to that next step. The movie doesn't take us there. <laughs> My brain does. Um. All right. Last thing that uh that that I wanted to mention is um. And, as a podcaster who like really wants this podcast to take off, I can totally relate to Tom Hanks' story and can totally relate to the, you know, like I, I don't do this because I think everything's funny. I do whatever. Like I, I can relate to yeah. like, there's this drive and this passion. And when I'm really animated about a movie, you can tell. And like, there's this, there's this passion to be over analytical about things. As a husband and father, I can so relate to Sally Field's arc of I don't ever want to lose that. And again, not just in like a security blanket way, but as a this is a huge part of who I am. I don't ever want to stop being a dad. I don't ever want to stop being a husband. I love my family. Holy fuck, is it difficult to actually balance being a husband and father with podcasting? You know, like there's a reason that anytime I'm like, all right, live podcast starting at nine in parentheses or as soon as my kids go to sleep or it might get pushed back an entire day if they're not sleeping because that's more important. It is such a struggle between those two. And I think that that is why for me, again, especially two years into a pandemic, why this movie hit harder for me than it potentially did for the two of you Uh, and not saying that you are not in similar situations. But like those two things were very much on on my mind and why like when Sally Field uh, like when her daughter tries telling her the joke about Samson and like she just is ignoring her because she's stressed about something else. And a daughter's like, I guess it just isn't that funny. Like mm. I almost started crying during that scene because it's like, oh, my God, have I ever done that to my kids? Like, yeah, yeah that's they're a- still so young, yeah. but 
have I ever been having a bad day and they're just trying to cheer me up and I don't respond good enough? And I mean, Eric, you and I have mentioned this on multiple occasions, but the scene in Jaws where Roy Scheider like realizes that uh, his body language, his son is copying that. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want my son to do this. I don't want him to also be stressed. I'm going to start going from like the angry stress, like hands over my face to like making funny faces so that my kid is laughing rather than worrying about me. Yeah. And you don't get that in, in a uh, punchline. Sally field does not get that awareness of, Oh, you're watching me and you're learning from me and I am not doing it right. And I, I don't know. There were just a lot of those little scenes that to me, my brain pieced together more of that, which is why I think maybe it's more of a cohesive story, but those little scenes were the glue that really held the story together. Mm -hmm. And those were the scenes that at times had me on the verge of tears of just like, I, I can relate to both of them, but I don't want to be either of them. I don't want to be Tom Hanks and turn into an asshole because it's what I want to do. I don't want to be an asshole because of the podcast. I also don't want to give up what I want to do because of family. And like, it's God, that struggle. Oof. Yeah, I I completely agree. And it's why like, I can't like, despite how negative I probably seem on this, I can't dismiss this movie out of hand because there's too much about it that, that I like. There's too much about it that I think really works. And I find really relatable. And it's, it has this kind of universality to it that I think makes it, worth watching like i'm not mad that i watched i think as a movie <laughs> just objectively functionally there are things about it that are frustrating the glowing and, video and the monsters recommendation i'm not mad that i watched it <laughs> well, yeah right like i feel i, I want to make it clear like i'm not upset like it's it is a it's a it's a good movie i like so much of what it is doing and so many individual scenes and and stuff i uh, just wish that it worked all the way through and that it maintained a consistent time. But anyway, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. Like, Sally Field is so good in this movie. Tom Hanks is so good in this movie. I love their characters. I love seeing them interact. I love seeing their day-to-day lives. And with Sally Field especially, like, there were parts of it where I was, like, questioning, like, man, is is she a bad mom? But it's like, no, yes. she's not a bad mom. She's just doing the best that she can mm-hmm with what she has and, and and i mean there are times where i think to myself like am i a bad dad because i'm trying to like rush to watch th- watch a movie before we <laughs> record at night when my kids are off like doing other things it's like yeah okay you can go you can go hang out and play together for a little bit give me 20 minutes and it's like 20 minutes can turn into 30 minutes and, and so i mean i know i do the same thing and it's uh i, I think it's a struggle that is difficult to show in a film in a way that feels very authentic and for all the parts of this movie that i didn't quite connect to that's the one thing that i really think works about this movie that really resonated with me yeah uh yeah the 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 best comparison the best comparison that i can make is i don't know if uh either of you are familiar with uh this musical artist but if you know daniel johnston um that's kind of what this movie is like is great story and a lot of pieces that if you look at the raw emotion of it, it it's it's a lot more heartbreaking than it might seem on the outset um but his voice isn't necessarily that good yeah, and like that's 
Yeah, I, I love his, like you said, I love his story. The, the documentary, I think it was like The Devil of Daniel Johnson is yeah. really good. And I really wanted to love him because like he was one of Kurt Cobain's like favorite musicians. And I was just like, and then I finally listened to some of his music and I'm like, the songs are well written, but I can't listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> like, this I will poke my own ears, like eardrums, in in order to not hear this. Listen, but, listen to the yeah. cover album um, that that has like just a bunch of other bands singing songs. Like there's Ben Folds yeah. and um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Guided by Voices, maybe. So it's like a lot of like indie yeah. uh, artists covering his the songs. Writing is good. His performing of his songs for me is not. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> I'm not, definitely I'm not a- familiar with. I'll, I'll post some stuff in the chat uh, in just a few minutes once we wrap up the podcast so that we don't slow things down even further because this is about to turn into a And how episode. I feel about Tom Waits. Uh, you Tom, shut your mouth about Tom Waits. Tom Waits <laughs> is another good example of if you don't I love, love Tom his Waits. voice. I have a hard time with his voice sometimes. But which Tom Waits voice? He's got many. He does have. It's the. <laughs> I mean, a bunch it's of them. the like. Gravel like closing the, time is not the same as bone machine, man. <laughs> I guess that's true. Maybe I haven't experienced Yeah, go listen to closing time or heart attack and vine. It, yeah, it's definitely different than than his his gargling glass and whiskey voice that he has now. That's yeah, the gargling glass whiskey. I'm smoking like twelve packs a day. Yeah, just no. His his early I mean, tribute so good. I love Tom Waits. He is an acquired taste. I also love yes. Daniel Johnston. He is an acquired taste. Like I, when I the first time that I heard him was like, oh, oh, and now like I I will listen to his albums on repeat. I adore his music because for me the story is more powerful than his voice. Mm. That thanks for yawning directly into the microphone, Sorry. Eric. Yeah, it's nice. All right, <laughs> it's, I'm listening. Just I'm just commenting on your Daniel Johnson point. Uh, <laughs> fair enough i'm you're not boring me and that is kind of where i fall with punchline is it's got faults it's got technical problems it's got some tonal shifts that do not work it starts up uh some plot lines that it never follows through with it gives you a lot to chew on and then quickly takes it away and you're like but i was i just started what what are you doing there are a lot of technical issues with this movie that i do not care about because of how strong this movie hit me emotionally. And, mm. and I, th- I think that I love this movie. It is definitely one that I, that I need in my collection. I, I have too many movies in my collection. So for me, that's not actually saying much, but this is a movie that I could very, very easily see myself rewatching, uh, which brings us to the next point of, I don't, I think this movie is very rewatchable in the sense that I do want to get back into this world and I do want to watch it again and I do want to just be a part of this story again because it did hit me a little bit more emotionally than I was expecting going into it I don't want to watch it again immediately uh, it's like we talked about with Inside Lewin Davis of now Inside Lewin Davis is unquestionably a far superior movie the story and the tone to me is they they are i don't want to say exactly the same but it's like the dollar store version of it uh a punchline is like the dollar store version of inside lewin davis and i don't necessarily mean that in yeah. a bad way but it's just like oh yeah i maybe not dollar store it's more like the uh like the target brand 
where it's like it's not bad it's just obviously not the name brand type of thing um yeah that's a great pairing in southern davis is fantastic yeah but i mean they are essentially the exact same movie inside lewin davis is more uh it, it is constructed better it is a better movie in terms of the movie of it but in terms of the story almost identical um i, I would also sorry, go ahead quick quick little side tangent to that i think i guys i sent you the link where uh adam sandler when he recently did like an interview with tom hanks mentioned that the safety brothers told him to tell tom hanks that they love this movie yeah i've I seen love, i would love to see the safety brothers do a take on this with the way that they can just like ratchet up tension, I think they could do some really cool shit with Hanks's character. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's funny because I that's one of the things I kept seeing too when I was doing research for this movie is like the Safety brothers apparently really love Punchline, and I was like, that is so fascinating to me, and I would <laughs> love to hear more about like what it is that they love so much about it, and like what kind of like apparently it's a movie that like is in their mind constantly when they're making movies, like they yeah. try to make movies like this. Yeah. This does it, not it, have a great like Blu-ray release or anything like that. I want to see them like do a commentary track. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I would, yeah, I would love to hear a commentary. I, I guess they're not making movies like this, but it's definitely a movie that influenced mm-hmm. them for sure. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so another movie that, that I would pair it with, and I, I think these are three, the only two <laughs> that I actually thought of, um, I, I would also put Man on the Moon in, in that same general category in terms of a drama oh, yeah, of about mm-hmm. a comedy that has moments of humor, but it is not a comedy. And I, I also think that's, again, a much better movie, but I also love Andy Kaufman. Um, but again, like a movie that I don't necessarily want to rewatch a ton because it's sad. Punchline, punchline hides its sadness. It's there, and and again, you get it with the scene where Tom Hanks has a breakdown. But for the most part, it's it's trying it's trying to put up its own defense mechanism and not really show just how dark and depressing these lives are. Mm-hmm. But it's there, and and again, I I, I loved this movie, but not one that i'm going to come back super often to again because of the just the general story but uh but yeah i i think that it is rewatchable question mark i think so i'd re i'll rewatch it sooner than i did this time i won't wait 30 years before rewatching it this time <laughs> i would um, hope so <laughs> for, for my pairing it, 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 again, it's, it's a drama about comedy, specifically stand-up comedy, and it's criminally underseen. And that's uh, Bob Fosse's film, Lenny, starring Dustin Hoffman as Lenny Bruce. Absolutely adore that film. Incredibly hard to find, except for when it pops up on the Criterion channel once in a while. It's a brilliant movie. I absolutely adore that film. Eric, what are your appearings? Uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, the the obvious one that I went with that I just is the first thing that came to mind is Funny People. I, I think that is maybe my favorite Judd Apatow movie, which I know a lot of people kind of are hit and miss on it. It's it's way too long. I, I get it. But I, I think it's so good. I love Adam Sandler as a dramatic performer. And I think that he just imbues that role with so much just pain. It, it, it's the kind of thing where Adam Sandler is the kind of comedian we were talking about where I feel like a lot of times his comedy 
whether it's stand up or SNL or his movies or just kind of like goofy larks or whatever. But funny people is one of those opportunities where he had a chance to show that darker side of himself that you don't, don't get to see very often. It's what I find most interesting about him as a performer. Um, and I think it's, I think it's really good. Um, the other one that I had was, oh, Broadcast News. Mm. So um, this movie is, like, I was kind of thinking of it in terms of, like, with Punchline being a film that is kind of about the comedy scene. Like, it's taking this story and putting it into a very specific kind of, like, tableau. And I think Broadcast News is doing something very similar where it's, like, a, it is very specifically about people in Broadcast News um it's got the it's got the kind of relationship drama um in a way that like like it has the romantic angle that punchline tries to go for but it does it in a much better way um where it's kind of about like um you know it's kind of a love triangle where that love is not reciprocated on on certain ends and it's such a great movie it's so funny but also more of a drama and it's just perfect and i love it and i feel like it would make a really great pairing um and then the last movie i had that i just kind of threw out there as a kind of as a joke because i was also trying to think of other like it totally works other things that uh kind of fit into a very specific scene is um the karate kid (laughs) laugh on laugh off laugh on (laughs) laugh off yes so i mean like punchline is at its core kind of about like a seasoned comedian veteran who takes like a an up and comer under his wing and tries to like help her refine the thing that's always been there from the beginning. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of like the karate kid, but you know, with comedy instead of, does that make like Taylor Negron, Johnny (laughs) Taylor Negron is Johnny. Of course. Yes. Uh, Or I guess, or would it be, who is, is there a villain in this movie? I mean, I guess, Uh, you know what? uh, I think that because Taylor Negron is, was the one comedian who, and they're like, well, if he doesn't win, we're not going up and telling everyone's like, I'm still in. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's very uh, true. No, I will still go. It it would be um the 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 blonde uh scouting agent. She would be the one that's what sweeping I was, yeah, his legs. Yeah. She's Reese. She's <laughs> she's the uh, I, every time I saw her I was like, Oh, it's the mom from the from Homer Found. Yeah, she she's Cobra Kai talent agency. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I actually think it's a great pairing. I have one more pairing for a movie that I have not seen, but I'm going to make an assumption that it would work. Uh, Mr. Saturday Night with Billy Crystal. I've heard that's <laughs> not a. I've never seen that movie either, but uh, I it have, sounds like but a it's movie. been so long, and I remember that movie being really fucking sad. So it's it been would probably so pair really well. That. It, it but he is pay- a performer, and it does go. It- I mean, it is Mister Sad or Day Night, so you know. Boo. <laughs> hey, did you just boo my pun? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Heartily, it was wow. <laughs> it, was, it was good. The the Mister Saturday Night Sad or Day Night was good. Uh oh, another one that I Thank do. Th- Yes, it was it was good. It amused me, and it made me realize another one that uh, I do think would pair well. But the reason that it's going to pair, I feel like I have to explain it before I say what the movie is. It's taking uh, that interplay that we talked about for most of the episode of uh, you know tragedy and comedy, 
and it is going so dark with it that it is specifically a comedy, but it is a dark comedy. So rather than like, you know, just having the comedy as the backdrop of a drama, it is leaning full force into the darkness and, and the humor that you find within uh, that, that dark side of humanity. I would pair this with death to smoochie, especially with some of that initial piece of it being kind of a film noir esque. Like if, uh, if punchline had actually leaned more into being, uh, yeah. you know, a quirky noir film. Oh my God. That would be that pairing works. That film is not talked about nearly enough. I've never seen it. It's one of those movies that was on all the time when People I was a kid, but that movie and I don't get why. I, that's a, that's what like I just had always heard it was a horrible movie, so I'm like yeah. I guess I'm not gonna watch it. It's, it looks weird. It's dark ro- Robin Williams, and yeah, it's very weird. But that's what makes it great. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, I was like, this just seems too weird to me. I don't think I could watch this. Oh no, I watched that film n- numerous times when that came out because yeah, that was right when he did one hour. It was like that one hour photo and insomnia, like back to back to back. And what a run. <laughs> Yeah, that's, <laughs> he was he was he was taking himself some places. Yeah, man. Mm. Yeah, man. I hate that we've invoked Robin Williams now. I'm just like sad. This is just making me think. Like, <laughs> speaking of all the like darkness and comedy, it's like you have a guy like him who's just so immeasurably talented and is so good at just making people happy, and obviously had so mm. much within him that he, uh, yeah, just. Sad, sad yep. way to end this episode. I'm sorry. Damn it. <laughs> so somber now. Way to be a dad, dude. I talked about death to Smoochie. You're the one who went all dark with it. I mean... I yeah, remember. I can't imagine how we went dark from death to, <laughs> to darkness from death to Smoochie. <laughs> There's nothing dark in that movie at all. <laughs> oh, man. I th- and this is, the, this is the part where I wish that I could be a comedian so Here, I could turn it into something funny and, and interesting. He, but no, instead, where, I'm just like, ah, yeah, I'm just... Here's sad. where we can turn it back around. We will, at some point, this might not necessarily be a full review episode, uh, and also at some point, we are totally covering Death to Smoochie as a full review. We will do an episode at some point. I'm not going to say when, because I have no idea when, where we do a double billing of Death to Smoochie and Meet the Feebles. Um, when when those 4Ks eventually come out of Meet the Feebles, <laughs> that would be a great time to do it. I would also pair Death to Smoochie with Birdman. Ooh. I think that would be a great pairing. Because Ed, Ed Norton is essentially the same character in both. <laughs> <laughs> Death the Smoochie is directed by Danny DeVito. How did I not know this? <laughs> yeah, That's so wild. Dude, I love Danny DeVito as a as a director. You're missing yeah. out, man. All right, Dan. Where do you want people to find you? Uh, you can find me over at my blog, f- uh, frontrowtohbo.com, and on Twitter, frontrowtohbo. Those HBO to front row. Jesus, yeah, I am HBO <laughs> to front row. Christ, I'm tired. It's been a long day. Yes, HBO to front row. Thank you. <laughs> I'm terrible. Night, Stop. Thank you. <laughs> so from HBO to front row. HBO to front row. Dot com. Dot cam. Eric. Dot cam. <laughs> Eric. Did you say Eric? Oh, Eric. Me. Eric, that uh, is you. Yes, Eric. AKA the Chimerican. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at the Chimerican at, uh, it's at T H E C H I M E R I C A N. Uh, 
For a second, I thought I spelled that wrong. Okay, all right, we're good. Um, I'm also on Instagram at American Reviews and on Letterbox at Eric J A Y. I think at this point, I just purposefully botched my delivery of my so, social media handles for fun. So, um, you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for uh, more of our Thanksgiving episodes, or if you want to follow our back catalog and check out everything else that we've done, just like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends, share the podcast, leave positive reviews, do all the things that you're supposed to do for the content creators that you love. In this case, you know, us, the content we're creating is words with our mouth holes. Uh, And be sure to come back as we... (laughs) We continue our Thanksgiving series. Our next movie will be Eric's pick. Eric. Ah, yes, it is. What are we covering next? What if I just like changed it right now? It's fine. I've not watched. I'm really like on the fence right now. I'm I'm probably gonna stick with. Uh, and Robert's like pushing me to change it. <laughs> Robert, how about I'm gonna let you? How about this? How about this, Robert? I'm gonna let you decide, okay? Oh. You can be the deciding vote. Should we do Road to Perdition or Cloud Atlas? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, this is what's happening. Man, I wish that you had told me that Robert. earlier. I almost bought Cloud Atlas Blue on the today. Guys, we're doing Cloud Atlas next week. I'm changing All right. That's, yeah, that's Cloud good. Atlas. I'll still end up watching Road to Perdition. Also, I just want you. Yeah, because you guys have never seen Cloud Atlas, right? No. Do I have? Neither one of you. Okay, good. All right, we're doing Cloud Atlas. All three hours of Cloud Atlas. I am on board. Nathan, I hope you. The movie will be longer than the podcast. I hope you don't mind (laughs) that we're doing a three-hour movie, dude. Dude, We did an entire United States of America series. Do you think that I give a shit about covering a three-hour movie? I mean, oh my god, I'm so excited! I'm honestly like jazz. I'm I'm glad this happened. Thank you, Robert. You saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, said prepare yourselves. Man, why couldn't you have told me that earlier today so that I could have bought the Blu-ray? I only have the DVD. Well, I mean, go buy the Blu-ray. I, man, you, obviously, you have, whole, you have a whole week. <sighs> yeah. You got, well, I mean, you, you're gonna need a week to get yeah. there. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited that this happened. This was that was totally spontaneous. Yes. Awesome. All right. Yes. All right. Cloud Atlas. We're doing Done that. We I'm going to watch Road to Perdition too, but yeah. I got to get to bed. All right. Yeah, Stan has to go to sleep. Too. So good night, dude. Right. And uh, yes. yeah, we, we will be back next week with apparently Cloud Atlas, or awesome. we might watch Road to Perdition and then talk about it as if it's Cloud Atlas. <laughs> or we might watch, uh, you know, The Money Pit and talk about it as if it's Cloud Atlas. Who knows? There's so many options. Or, or I might just actually watch Cloud Atlas and talk about it because I've never seen it. Cloud Atlas rules. <laughs> it's so it's getting late. We're all getting punchy. Go follow the podcast. Tell your friends. Like us. And uh, um, I guess that's it. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> punch lining is more like it. You're punched. Punch drunk. <laughs> punch oh, man. What a, what a, I'm so excited that that just happened. That was beautiful. I love, I love that that happened.